0: Loneliness, empty, disconnected, rejected, these are not nice words to think about. And for many of us, these words probably make us cringe. Loneliness, emptiness, disconnectedness, these are things that are more and more of a common experience among people. They're actually being called an epidemic. An epidemic is a condition that spreads rapidly and that affects all ages, genders, and throughout the entire world. And loneliness, according to many psychologists, is the epidemic of our time. And this might make us think, you know, why? We have never been so connected. I can, at this moment, pick, pick up my phone, take my phone out of my pocket and call anyone around the world and talk with them. Better yet, I can get my phone out and I can actually see anyone at any part of the world at any time. We have never been so connected and we have never been so Lonely. Our lives can often feel like we're wandering around in the desert. And this has even affected people who we think are invincible. Celebrities who we look at and say, You are surrounded by so many people, so many adoring fans who love you and just want to spend time with you. How can you feel lonely? or people who have just immense amounts of wealth and possessions, and we look at them and we think, how can you feel alone where you can buy anything that you want that will make you feel loved? If loneliness was solved by being surrounded by people or cash, then celebrities would be invincible, but it doesn't work like that. A few years ago, uh, world-famous comedian Louis C.K. was on the Conan O'Brien Show. And he opened up about his experience and his struggle with loneliness and emptiness. And he said this. You need to build an ability to just be yourself and not do something. That's what phones are taking away, is this ability to just sit there. That's being a person. Because underneath everything in your life, there's that thing, that empty, forever empty. That knowledge that it's all for nothing and that you're alone, it's down there. And sometimes when things clear away and you're not watching anything, you're in your car and you start going, oh no, here it comes. That I'm alone, it starts to visit on you. Just this sadness. Life is tremendously sad just by being in it. That's why we text and drive. I look around, pretty much 100% of the people driving are texting and they're killing. Everybody's murdering each other in their cars, but people are willing to risk taking a life and ruining their own. Because they don't want to be alone for a second because it's so hard. I was driving my car and a Bruce Springsteen song came on and I heard it and it gave me a kind of fall back to school depression feeling. And it made me feel really sad. And I went, okay, I'm getting sad. So I had to get out my phone and write hi to like 50 people. I started to get that sad feeling and I reached for the phone and then I said, you know what? don't. Don't. Just be sad. Just stand in the way of it and let it hit you like a truck. So I pulled over, and I just cried. It's a pretty honest thing to say. Crying is a natural response to aloneness, isn't it? I remember many years ago when I was with my family in the mall and I looked away for one second and I looked back and they were gone. And I couldn't find them anywhere. And so I cried. King David did it too. He cried out to God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus did it, too, when he was on the cross. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you left me? Why have you abandoned me? So this morning, as we look at this word forsaken, which means being abandoned or the the feeling of loneliness that it causes, we'll look at two things. First, the cycle of loneliness that we find ourselves caught in as human beings. And then second, the one who breaks this cycle for us. So first, the cycle of aloneness. For this, we have to go back to the beginning of the story. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, he created it good, and and he created uh, human beings for himself, for relationship, God is a very relational being, and so he creates things that work in relationship with one another, very close, very personal relationships. And this isn't all. The Bible tells us that God cares so much about human beings and having people around them and in close relationships with them that when no helper could be found for Adam, that he did something about it. The Bible says that the Lord God caused man to go into a deep sleep and then from him formed the woman. And then when Adam saw Eve, he cried out in song. He said, this is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. There was a connection an intimacy between them. And so one of the pictures that we see in the story of creation is a relational God who cares deeply, so deeply, about his creation and about community and intimacy that one of the things that he worries about is that people will feel alone. This place that God created is good. And Adam and Eve were in perfect relationship with each other and with God. There was no aloneness. There was no loneliness. In the garden, there was no separation between God and human beings. It was perfect. But it doesn't stay that way. Eventually, Adam and Eve choose to disobey God, and they eat fruit from the tree that God told them, don't touch this, it will kill you. And they deliberately chose their own way over God's way. And they broke the relationship that they had with him. Because sin is basically letting God down. Sin is doing what God does not approve of. And so they ruined the relationship that they had with God. And they trapped themselves in a cycle of loneliness and emptiness. And for, for us, years later, we still find ourselves caught in this. This sin, this broken relationship with God that we long to have in our lives is what causes people like Louis C.K. to feel this emptiness, forever emptiness. That feeling is the hunger for close relationships with God and with each other and with our world that sin gets in the way of. It's the empty feeling that knowing that something is wrong. After Adam and Eve ate from the tree, it begins where it says that the eyes of Adam and Eve were opened and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So what happens here is that Adam and Eve react to their sin by looking at each other with embarrassment and saying, I can't let you see this part of me. I have to hide myself from you. I can't be completely open with you about this. Sin causes shame. Sin causes embarrassment. We know it's not right. We know it shouldn't be this way. It's that feeling of, oh man, I messed up again. I told myself I wouldn't do this. I told myself that I wouldn't feel this way. And look, there, I've done it again. I can't believe it. I'm a good Christian. I don't do things like this. I can't let people see this part of me. Then, like Adam and Eve, we start thinking, you know, what are we going to do? what are we going to do about this and so they they did something about it they've sewed fig leaves together they covered themselves up they put a band-aid over the problem but what everyone knows is that band-aids don't actually heal they just cover the problem is still there because shame leads to fear what if somebody finds out this is what happens next in the story in Genesis. It says that the man and his wife, they heard God walking in the garden, and so they hid from him. They ran away from his presence. Think about that. The God that created them, the God that put them in the, the garden of Eden, that, who loved them and loves them so much, they run away from. Shame and fear have a way of driving us away from God as well. There's a Calvin and Hobbes comic that illustrates this for us very well. This comes from a longer story in which Calvin has taken his dad's binoculars, who he promised that he would be very careful with, and began tossing them in the air rather carelessly, and they fell and they broke and he's faced with this realization that there is no way that a six-year-old has $600 to spend on replacing these broken binoculars. And he begins to fear the wrath of his dad. He says, I had no idea binoculars were so expensive. We're doomed. We are doomed. And Hobbes replies, we? Why in the world did dad let me use anything so valuable He should have known I'd break them. He must have been out of his mind. This is his fault. He passes blame. What am I going to do? And so Hobbes comes up with a solution that seems rather rational. Well, I suppose you could just tell him what happened. And then Calvin says, And make a getaway when the coronary hits. Say that's an idea. Run. You know, when Calvin feels this fear welling up in him, his natural reaction is to get himself out of this situation. But Adam and Eve are caught by God. God already knows, and and, and he finds them, and he, he actually seeks them out, which is really interesting. He says, where are you? But he already knows where they are. He invites Adam and Eve to respond, and Adam answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Then, as God does some digging, he hears the story from Adam and Eve, and the guilt begins to emerge within them. God didn't create us to be able to hold guilt and so when we when we feel this way we need to do something with it we need to get rid of it somehow so Adam tries to pass the blame it was the woman who you gave me she gave me this fruit and I ate it the woman said it was the serpent who tempted me this doesn't work though the guilt still remains no matter how we try to get rid of it the guilt still remains eventually even if we try our best to to do something with it to try harder to to will ourselves to be a better person eventually we're going to disappoint god again eventually we're going to disappoint the people around us again and that that shame will well itself up inside of us and this cycle will continue This is why sin causes loneliness. Because no matter how we try to get ourselves out of this cycle on our own, we can't. We're caught. We're stuck. We can't get ourselves out. And the more and more this cycle repeats itself, the more and more we feel isolated from the people around us, and the more and more we feel alone, The more and more we try to compensate, the more and more we feel shame, the more and more, and it just keeps going and going. But we try, don't we? We try our best to get rid, get ourselves out of this cycle, and we try to fill it with other things. We think to ourselves, if I just find the right relationships, if I just find the right right person to marry, then that forever empty feeling will be filled. I won't feel shame, I won't feel fear, I won't feel guilt, everything will be perfect, and then the person that we love disappoints us, or we disappoint them, and the cycle continues. See, each of us has been created for God, for a relationship with God, and when we can't be in relationship with Him. We look to fill that hole, that emptiness, that approval that we long for with something else. It can be in friends, or career, or marriage, or religion and morality, trying to to be a good person. But if our rela- our, our 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 approval is based on anything other than a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, this continue this cycle will continue. And the emptiness and the loneliness will be a reality in our lives. And this is why St. Augustine put it so well when he said, our hearts are restless or our hearts are lonely until they find rest in you. Until they find rest in you. How do we get this rest? How do we get out of this cycle? Did you know that there was a person who didn't fall into the cycle of loneliness? Did you know that there was someone who lived on this earth, fully human and fully God, who didn't fall into this cycle? In fact, he lived in perfect relationship with God, with people, with the world. The gospel uh, writers tell us that when Jesus was baptized, there was a voice from heaven that said, this is my son whom I delight in. Jesus had the full approval of God. God was so delighted in Jesus, and he met the bar of God's approval. it means that that Jesus Christ was who God intended us to be the author of hebrews says that jesus was tempted in every way but did not sin in other words god's favor and his acceptance were on him but guess what jesus went to the cross he willingly went to the cross for us and, and on the cross he cried out, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? The only person who didn't deserve to be abandoned was completely left alone. His cry to God was not answered. Why did he do this? Because he took our place. He paid the debt of our sin, and through this, he restored us to a right relationship with our creator God. So now, for us, for those who trust in God, he says to us, you are my son, you are my daughter, in whom I am well pleased. The approval that Jesus earned through his life is given to us freely by grace on the cross when he took our place. In Christ, the cycle of loneliness is broken because our sin is paid for. And so Jesus calls us to repent, to turn away from our old way of living, trying to earn our approval on our own and to rest in him. Resting in Jesus means that our shame won't drive us away from God because God already knows all the broken places in your life, all the places where you're tempted to hide from other people. God knows them, and he loves you still. There's a great place in the Gospel of John where the Samaritan woman discovers that her life is on display to Jesus, and he still loves her. This is how God loves you. He knows the dark places that you don't want to go, and he loves you regardless. We also don't have to fear saying, quick run! Get away! Think of what God's going to do to us if he finds out, because God has already taken the punishment that we deserve upon himself, upon Jesus. The wrath of God was satisfied And we also don't have to be weighed down by by the guilt, thinking, oh, I have to try harder. Because the gospel tells us that that salvation has absolutely nothing to do with how hard we try, but all about receiving a gift, the gift of salvation. Isn't this such a relief? Isn't, Isn't this amazing how the burden has been lifted and we have been set free? See, in Christ we are no longer ruled by sin. The Apostle Paul says that we are set free from sin to love God and love others. See, then a Christian can be a person who enters into relationships with people, with places, with things, not needing to get anything out of them, not needing to get approval out of the relationships that we are in, but being able to pour ourselves into them. We can be agents of community in this world where loneliness is an epidemic. Because doesn't the gospel compel us to to enter into relationships with people who, who are feeling lonely, who are feeling empty, and to love them and to care for them? We have in front of us a meal. A meal that is a gift. A meal in which we receive nourishment from God. This helps us to put into practice what the gospel has given to us. See, because all who are baptized, all who have made a commitment to following Jesus, are welcome at this table. Even people who are not believers in Jesus Christ are welcome to come forward and receive a blessing, to join us in this because this is a time of community. This is a time that we are together as human beings in this place. And it's a meal that we receive. We don't work for it. The body of Christ, the blood of Christ, it's a gift given to us. So there's no head table. There's no table number 36 in the back corner. Everyone is a guest of honor at this feast. This meal is also a foretaste of what's to come, that one day Christ will return, that he will come again, and he will restore our world in such a way that this that we practice, this feast of the kingdom, will become the reality in our lives every single day. And so it is with joy and celebration that we anticipate this together. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer? God, we thank you for Jesus, who has given to us grace and mercy, who has forgiven our sins and breaks us out of the cycle of aloneness that we are caught in. God, we pray that as we draw near to this table this morning, A table that we receive the gifts of grace that nourish us and sustain us, that this table would also change us to enter into our world as people who are agents of community, who are agents of authentic relationships with you and with one another. We pray that you would give us your spirit that would enable us to see the broken places and to enter into them by your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.